spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts— to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Last night, the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks played Game 1 of the NBA Finals. The Suns won 118-105. I watched... None of it. If the Sixers had made it, I'd be watching. I I guess that makes me a Fairweather fan. Uh, Nor am I an ESPN guy. So, yes, I will surrender my man's card at the exit. I do, however, know of ESPN's Rachel Nichols. And I know of Rachel Nichols because when I was getting started at CNN seven, eight years ago... I have a recollection of her being offered to me as a guest to talk about sports headlines. I think, I'm not sure of this, I think she may then have been affiliated with Headline News, which is a sister network of CNN, hence the invitation, would you like to have Rachel Nichols to come on and and, uh, and talk about whatever was in the news from a sports standpoint. I remember her being competent. I remember her being hardworking. I remember her being a good soundbite. And my having interviewed Rachel Nichols on a couple of occasions is one reason why I took interest in this story about a controversy that involves her. The other reason is that the more that I've read about the Rachel Nichols story and the workplace issue at ESPN, the more that I think that there are parallels between her workplace, and a lot of people's workplaces. It's a provocative subject area. It's a story about one person thinking that they've been denied a gig or denied elevation or denied an opportunity. Maybe that's the best word choice I should use in favor of another person and race playing a role. And you're going to have to decide whether that assessment is in and of itself racist. I have my doubts, I will tell you at the outset. It is the survey question at Smirconish.com. That's what I'm asking about in the abstract. Is it necessarily racist when a white person questions a diversity hire? And this is the fact pattern on which I'm, I'm predicating that question, even though I've tried to leave the personalities out of it. Because I want you to answer it in a generic sense, if that makes some sense. This story uh, popped last weekend when the New York Times covered it extensively. 
and it relied on previously undisclosed audio of Rachel Nichols. The comments that she made that have brought all this to light were nearly a year ago. Nearly a year ago at a time when she learned that she would not be hosting the 2020 NBA Finals as she had anticipated. Kevin Draper wrote it for the New York Times, has since updated the story. I want to try and uh, and summarize it based on his reporting and then frame the issue for you. Here's what Draper wrote in part. In mid-July of last year, Nichols was staying at the Coronado Springs Resort at Walt Disney World near Orlando, Florida, confined to her room for seven days because of the NBA's coronavirus protocols before the season resumed. She had with her a video camera so that she could continue appearing on ESPN shows, primarily The Jump, That's a daily NBA show, which she's hosted since 2016. But she was eyeing hosting duties for ESPN's pregame and postgame shows during the playoffs and finals. That, as you can well imagine, the network's most important studio basketball programming. Because that host is the face of ESPN's NBA coverage. And before the pandemic, both she and a colleague, Maria Taylor, hosted different versions of that show. About the time that Nichols arrives in Florida, she was told by executives that Maria Taylor would host the coverage during the NBA Finals. So who is Maria Taylor? Maria Taylor is an equally accomplished ESPN sports analyst, former University of Georgia athlete, by all accounts competent, hardworking, happens to be African-American, in 2019, started hosting NBA Countdown Friday night and Sunday afternoon games. So this this telephone call in which Rachel Nichols participates is of great importance, and I have the audio. Here's the background. In the call, Rachel Nichols discussed her career. It's July 13, 2020. And she's speaking with Adam Mendelson, the longtime advisor to L.A. Lakers superstar LeBron James. Another person's also in that conversation, James's agent, his name, Rich Paul. So Nichols is speaking with Mendelson to request an interview with LeBron James and his Lakers teammate, Anthony Davis, whom Paul also represents. And during the conversation, she seeks advice. You know, she wants advice from LeBron James' longtime advisor because she believes that her bosses are advancing Maria Taylor at her expense. In part, she says, I just want them to go somewhere else. It's in my contract, by the way. This job is in my contract in writing. That's Nichols speaking to Mendelssohn, referring to hosting coverage during the NBA Finals a few minutes after saying that ESPN was, quote, feeling pressure about racial diversity. And then the key comment from this recorded conversation, I'll talk to you in a moment about how it was recorded, is what I'm about to play. The audio is so-so. I'll read literally what's being said after you listen to it. Maybe. Maybe. Instead, how about if I read it to you and then play it for you? 
I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. This is Rachel Nichols. I Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your like crappy long-time record on diversity, which, by the way, I myself like know personally from the female side of it, like go for it. Just you know, find it somewhere else. Like you're not going to find it with me and taking my thing away. She doesn't disparage. She doesn't explicitly disparage Maria Taylor. I mean, there's nothing negative that she says about Maria Taylor. What she's saying is, hey, ESPN. If, if you, because of your longtime crappy record on diversity, are now feeling the need to do more for her, all right. But it can't come at my expense. You're wondering, or you should be wondering, wait a minute, how are we listening to this conversation? Back to the Times coverage. Unbeknownst to Nichols, her video camera was on. And the call was being recorded to a server at ESPN's headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut. It's not clear why her camera was on, but most people at ESPN believe that Nichols using new technology during the pandemic didn't turn it off properly. Lesson in that for all of us, right? It was effectively the remote pandemic version of a hot mic incident. Dozens of ESPN employees have access to the company's video servers as part of their normal workflow. At least one of these people watched the video on the server recorded it on a cell phone, and then shared it with others. Soon, more copies of the conversation were spreading around ESPN, and within hours, it reached ESPN executives, in part because of some of the comments from Mendelssohn, the LeBron James advisor. He's prominent in political and communications industries as a strategist. I didn't know this. He had been a communications director and deputy chief of staff for... The governator. In a recording of the video obtained by the New York Times, Nichols and Mendelssohn paused for a moment during the conversation after Nichols said she planned to wait for ESPN's next move. And then Mendelssohn, the LeBron James advisor, who, by the way, is white, said, I don't know. I'm exhausted. Between Me Too and Black Lives Matter, I got nothing left. And then Rachel Nichols laughs. The African-American reaction, that sounds a little generic, doesn't it? And generalist. How about this? The reaction among some African-Americans is to say, you know what? This confirms suspicions that we have that outwardly supportive white people talk differently when they're behind closed doors. In response to questions from the New York Times, Rachel Nichols said she was frustrated and was, quote, unloading to a friend about ESPN's process, not about Maria. And then she added, my own intentions in that conversation and the opinion of those in charge of ESPN are not the sum of what matters here. If Maria felt the conversation was upsetting, then it was. 
And I was the cause of that for her. She said that the recording of the video by an ESPN colleague was hurtful. I was shaken that a fellow employee would do this and that other employees, including some of those within the NBA project, had no remorse about passing around a spy video of a female co-worker alone in her hotel room. I would in no way suggest that the way the comments came to light should grant a free pass on them being hurtful to other people. Some were especially upset by what they perceived as Nichols' expression of a common criticism used by white workers in many workplaces to disparage non-white colleagues, that Taylor was offered the hosting job only because of her race, not because she was the best person for the job. You get the controversy now, right? Here's what occurs to me. Rachel Nichols didn't explicitly disparage Maria Taylor's work. You could say that she did it implicitly by questioning her elevation or the added FaceTime that she was about to reach or receive to the detriment of Rachel Nichols. Uh, I, when I listen to that quote, I hear her more questioning ESPN. Hey, you need to do what you need to do, make up for your quote unquote crappy record, but don't let it come at my expense because I've been working it hard. I'm, I'm competent. Why should I be displaced? Because you think you need to address your crappy record on diversity. That's what I hear her say in that paragraph. Let me ask it a different way, and this will be interesting for telephone callers. If Rachel Nichols believes she's being displaced unfairly, what is the appropriate way for her to be an advocate for herself? Again, here's what she said. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, let me stop right there. I mean, maybe the answer is to say, no, Rachel, that's that's not what's driving this. We, our record on diversity notwithstanding, we think Maria Taylor is doing a hell of a job. And... Therefore, we wish to elevate her within the company. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record of diversity, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. Parse that paragraph. Some interesting comments. I told you the Times has owned this uh, coverage. The Washington Post has also done a decent job on it, and I've I've been perusing comments posted uh, in the blogosphere about this whole issue, including someone who self-identifies as African-American and says this, let's move on. The competition between high-profile employees in any workplace generally brings out misguided feelings. Hers were taped. She apologized. Hopefully her apology was accepted. Honestly, as a black person, this doesn't even make my list of the top 100 concerns that black folks should be focused on. Both of them are still employed, still getting paid. Meanwhile, we've got gun violence, homelessness, mental illness, voter suppression, miseducation, poor city services, health concerns, and 93 other things the media should be devoting attention to. And please don't like 
my comment. I, this is my favorite part. Please don't like my comment because it validates your own racism. I guess that was a comment intended for, you know, a white person who might say, yeah, even this black guy says this is bogus. He doesn't want you liking his comment. That's not where he's coming from. He's saying we've got bigger fish to fry. Somebody else. I read her statement. In no way did Nichols make disparaging comments about her colleague Maria Taylor, as the article cites. She made disparaging comments about ESPN and ESPN's diversity record. True on its surface. But implicitly, wasn't she acknowledging the the possibility that Maria Taylor is being elevated because she deserves it on the merits? And then there was a reply to that where a person said, whenever a white person states that the only reason a person of color is getting or being promoted is because of diversity, those comments are racist in nature. There was an exchange that jumped out at me. Very straightforward, very short on each side. One person says this. There is no racism here. Point it out to me. What did Rachel say that was racist? And then this response. She said Taylor got the assignment because of ESPN's diversity efforts. The pressure they're feeling. She attributed Taylor's success merely to the color of her skin. That's racism. Today's survey question at Smirconish.com asks you, is it necessarily racist when a white person questions a diversity hire? Has it taken place in your workplace? What's the appropriate way for the white worker who's feeling displaced to be a self-advocate? And what about the perspective that says, no, if you're addressing diversity and the elevation of someone of color, by definition, it's racism. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.